Hey everybody, I'm Greg Soule and this is Why Am I, a podcast where I talk to interesting people and try and trace a path to where they find themselves today. My guest this go around is Lish Styling. She's been a chef for two decades, worked as a food stylist, has won an Emmy, won her season of Chopped, and she still says one of her proudest moments is when one of our line cooks learned to hold a spoon like a pencil. <laughs> That blows me away. Someone who has accomplished so much um, is proudest of her impacts on the people around her. Join me in learning why food is emotional with Lish. Lish Styling, welcome Hello. to the YMI podcast. Why, thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So let's get off and running really quick because I don't want to hear me. I want to hear you. Please. Uh, so I'm a sprinter. I, I can't go long distance. You're a sprinter. <laughs> I'm neither of those. So, <laughs> you know, it's like however fast my office chair can roll me there. I'll, exactly. uh, I'll meet you in a little bit. Perfect. Uh, let's see. Uh, so uh, you and I are, where are we meeting? We're in a farmer's market and okay. sometimes they have like a cheesemonger. He's got like tons of little cheeses and I have to taste them all. And not only do I have to taste them, I have to listen to his story that uh -huh. takes five minutes for each piece of cheese, even though it yes. means nothing. I've yep. got to do it. So we're sitting here and we're, you know, eating cheese off tiny little toothpicks and we're having a conversation. I tell you about who I am and what I do but for some reason, because I am extremely boring. And now it's your turn to reciprocate. So Lish, who are you? Well, I'm apparently somebody who's eating cheese off tiny toothpicks with you in a farmer's market, <laughs> <laughs> which, by the way, sounds like a dream scenario because I'm a stickler for a good story. So hearing a cheesemonger spiel is always like a dream for me. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I just buy the story and then I regret the cheese later. Yeah, so. exactly. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but who am I? I'm Lish Styling. I'm a chef culinary producer and a food stylist and recipe writer. I have done a lot in the food service industry in the past 25 years that I've been in it. Um, and yeah, I'm just a perfectly imperfect individual trying to make it in this world. <laughs> yeah, just like anybody else. Well, exactly. that was a lot of information in a very short period of time. So you started out with chef. That was the first thing you told me you are a chef. So tell me about being a chef. Um, I mean, it t actually took me a long time for me to be able to call myself that. Um, hmm. I would say it wasn't until maybe like eight years ago that I actually felt comfortable calling myself that. Um, because a chef is a title that you earn, right? And uh, I've worked for many great chefs and I have huge admiration for them. So it wasn't until I was opening restaurants um, with Jada De Laurentiis. Uh, we were opening her main one in Las Vegas. And uh, training staff and setting up menu and doing all the tastings and everything to get everything right. And training staff, the line cooks would uh, call me chef. And it, it at first I was like, no, no, you can just call me Lish. And I was like, no, I've actually like come to the point now mm. in my career where like I am comfortable with that title, you know. And I feel like it's just it's kind of like a new pair of shoes. Like you have to break it in a little bit, you know. <laughs> um but yeah, that's where I finally felt felt comfortable where, you know, coming up with the dishes and de designing a menu and training people and mentoring people and, you know, being there and seeing and tasting and upholding standards and all of those things. I'm like, those are the things that I respect so much about the chefs that I had worked with in the past and how they manage. Um, management is such a big part of being a chef. And it, 
I've been lucky enough that I've worked with chefs who manage in the best way possible. None of the horror stories that a lot of people hear about, you know, restaurants. Um, and so that was when I was like, okay, this, I'm in that role now. And that's who I am. So yeah, I lead with chef because <laughs> I'm very proud of it. I'm very proud of it. As well, you should be like, it's something you've earned. I mean, you've been in there a couple of decades, right? Yeah. Slugging it out. I so, started when I was 15. So now start. I'm 40. <laughs> you and me both. I know, right? Dang. Happy birthday. <laughs> oh. <laughs> when, when's your birthday? <laughs> uh, I'm May. I'm a May Me birthday. too. Are you? I am May 12th. May 5th. Mm. Oh, you're slightly older. older and wiser. <laughs> yep. Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> More experienced. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, that explains a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, oh, my yeah, goodness. Right. <laughs> Party time. Here's yeah, Lish. exactly. All right. <laughs> I can roll. Well, what you were telling me about um, being a chef and having to earn that moniker, it made me like, it made me think, like, is it also kind of scary to have that moniker? Because that means... I am, I am the keystone, right? Everybody relies on me. Everybody depends on me. Everybody looks to me. All the pressures on me is that sort of part of assuming that moniker and maybe why you're a little bit slow to it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think I was ready for that for a while, you know, like being a sous chef and so on and so forth for other restaurant groups. Um, and a chef de cuisine, I had just never been an executive chef or higher, you know, than that. So um, even as a sous chef or even as a chef de cuisine, like, you know, everybody working with me would just call me Lish. Like we were never in that formal of a kitchen, you know. Um, and yeah, I think the responsibility is hard, but like, I kind of love that. That's one of the reasons that you get into restaurants, you know, like you kind of thrive on that energy and the pressure and um, the rhythm of the kitchen, you know? And I think that that, so that wasn't intimidating to me in the fact of there's going to be more pressure on me. It was more of a, I want to make sure that I'm living up to that name, you know, because I had such admiration for the people that I have worked for. And I'm not somebody who like came out of culinary school and said, oh, I'm a chef. I'm like, I am a cook. Like, I am slightly more educated than I was before I left, you know. Um, I'm going to take what I got out of this education and move on with it and grow from it and learn from it and plug it into my everyday. But I still have a ways to go to earn that title, you know. So um, I think that was the main part of it for me is that having the confidence to step into the shoes to say, I've earned this title, you know. Mm. I think the Midwest... Um, you know, the humbleness of a Midwesterner sometimes, like, <laughs> for better or worse, you know, um, it took me a while to overcome that and say, okay, no, I'm, I'm good with it, you know? Mm. Well, just from knowing you for 20 seconds, and from the stuff <laughs> I've seen um, online of you, it seems like uh, confidence is uh, in abundance in you. Oh, uh, like, like, you, like it reads oh, like that. It would never be the problem for you. Uh, you seem like the kind of person that's going to jump out of the airplane and figure out uh, how to make your parachute on the way down. <laughs> oh, Jesus. No, I would die. I can't. <laughs> uh, well, you, you talked about like being, um, I guess being, uh, yeah, like in partnership with other chefs and stuff is like the mentorship sort of aspect of cooking or being in, in a kitchen like that? Is that really strong? Is that a big part of it? Like I, I genuinely 
um, don't have a lot of insight into what that's like. So I absolutely adore that part of it. I think mm. that's what I, one of the areas that I enjoy the most is actually being able to teach people, um, even as simple as like teaching somebody how to season a dish properly, you know, and standing next to them as they taste it the first time and then adding salt and then having them taste again, and then adding some more olive oil and having them taste again and like actually training their palate into what is this properly seasoned dish that they're going to be making and executing time and time again, so that you know that every time it's on the plate, it's going to be right, you know, but seeing the aha moments and young cooks coming up is like, that's everything, you know, um, I was working with a, a cook when we first opened up, um, I always say that you hold a, a spoon like a pencil because you have more control of it and you can do different things with it, with plating and so on and so forth. Um, and I kept trying to tell one of our cooks, hold it like a pencil, hold it like a pencil because she kept saucing it and it just looked awkward as she was trying to sauce it, holding it like this, right? And one day I just stopped saying it to her and I watched her as she went from holding it like this to holding it like this. And I was like, she got it was, like, <laughs> it was probably one of the proudest moments it sounds so silly but like i love seeing cooks learn and get excited for something and realizing why something is done a certain way and like that kind of thing i just i love it so i love teaching i think that that's um something that's a huge takeaway with being a chef you know well, I'm I'm sure because everybody's seen this. Like um, everybody's had good bosses and bad bosses, so yeah. I'm sure you've seen some that uh, don't necessarily enjoy the part where they they teach. I mean, is the assumption there like you're just going to see me do it and then uh, glean how to perform that task just by watching me? Is that the how that sometimes works? sometimes it's a I'm going to show you once and when you don't get it right the first time that you try it, you know, I'm going to get very upset about it. Um, but that's not how I like to manage. And uh, I was lucky enough that one of the first chefs that I ever worked with very closely, her name was Jan Kelly back in Wisconsin. And it was after I had gone to culinary school, but um, she was definitely probably the biggest impact on how I cook and how I manage kitchens because she led by example. She was, she knew what she wanted, but she was collaborative and we were always on the line together and having a good time. Like, you know, when you're in a kitchen, like you're not saving lives, it should still be fun. You know, I mean, there's a little bit of pressure, but it's not like, you know, being in the ER or something like mm. we should still be enjoying it because that's what you're serving the guests, you know? So, um, working with Jan for five plus years was definitely probably one of the best things that I could have done to like develop myself as who I was in the kitchen. Really? Yeah. So do you, do you feel like you have a responsibility to, to carry on those things that she taught you? I, I, I mean, definitely. Yes. Just because that's who I am now, you know, it's not just her style of managing. It's how I observed it. Yeah. appreciated it and leading by example and showing taking the time to show people and taste with them and teach people has just been it's such a great part of the journey that if you don't open yourself up to that i think that you're taking out half of the fun and half of the value of what we do hmm. what's it like when um you know one of your little birds leaves the nest and you you go and eat at their restaurant uh 
the best. <laughs> <laughs> is it a pretty, well, he's just like, I've seen environments before where there's a lot of competition, you know, and so people aren't necessarily friendly and open. So like, when you leave, you're the enemy now. And I'm just curious, like in the culinary world, is that different? Well, I think that it all depends on how you leave. <laughs> so I think that's <laughs> the big enough. part of it. True enough. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, when I've gone to places that like I've worked with the cooks before or whatever, like, and you have their food, like I am just so proud of them for going out and trying mm. it on their own. You know, I mean, it takes a leap of faith to do that. So, and you're really pushing yourself as a cook, as a chef to do that, you know, um, so I'm always delighted and proud and happy to support in any way that I can. And, um, you know, I've always said to all of everybody that I've worked with. And, um, if you ever have any questions, if I can ever do anything for you, like reach out, shoot me an email, shoot me a text, DM me on whatever. If, if I can help you, I will gladly help you, you know? So that is, um, I think that the hospitality industry is just that the hospitality industry. And we mm. actually care about each other. <laughs> we take care of each other. We've all been through the trenches together here. So, um, yeah, I, I'm always happy to see them fly. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah. the mentorship, it never ends. Like no. that, that door is always open. They can always kind of come back and yeah. that's, that's super cool. And to be giving of your time, you know, like if, you know, somebody asks you for money, you can always get more money. You know, they can, you can always get more this, more that, but the one thing you don't have more of is time. And so to me, mm -hmm. like when somebody offers to uh, be that giving with their time, like whenever that like says more than anything else, I think yeah. more that speaks louder than anything else ever could, I think. Absolutely. And as a mentor, if you open yourself up to it, you have a lot to learn from your mentee as well, mm. you know, because some of these cooks or chefs are a younger generation. So they're looking at things differently than maybe I am now. You know, I'm, we are at that point, Craig, <laughs> where we are no longer the spring chickens. No. So as much as we don't like to admit it, you know, so sometimes talking to the younger people coming up, I get to learn just as much as I can teach them. So, and I think that that's the gr great part of a relationship and a healthy part of a relationship. Mm. Right. So it's been it's been good seeing people grow and blossom and do all the things they want to do <laughs> that's awesome yeah i mean it's the old yeah. adage of um one teaches to learn right yeah so i've anytime i've ever mentored anybody whether they were like one of my direct reports or just somebody in the community that's like hey you know i could use some help and sort of take them under your wing and help them out um i've always learned from those and not only have i learned from those relationships but i've developed like this network of people that at any point in time, I can tap. If I have a question, I can just like yeah. throw it to, I actually like maintain like a, like a, a Slack group. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, just yeah. like a big chat room and it's full of them. And I can throw a question out there in almost any subject. And I will have like eight different viewpoints almost instantaneous. And that is like so invaluable. Early in my career, I was very much, I have to do everything on my own. You right. know, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to be at the top of, the this pyramid and then once you you know you become the person at the top you find out how lonely it is up there and yeah uh, not that i was crushing people to get there i just i didn't bring people with me at first right yeah yeah and so yeah, yeah. it does get lonely up there you know and i think that that's i think leaving it open well i should say this because you reminded me of this with slack and it's like 
at some point you also don't want to take advantage of people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I always have somebody saying, Oh, like, I don't want to take advantage of you, but it's like, no, this is a community. And so you've built yourself a little community on Slack where you can just throw something out there. If somebody has time to answer and can help, they will. Absolutely. And if they don't want to because they're setting boundaries and they're only going to watch Netflix that night, well, then they can <laughs> set their boundaries and watch their Netflix, you know? like. But it's a community that everybody can reach out to that's in it, you know? So I think that that makes it a little bit more approachable too, not so intimidating. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny, you know, it's kind of like... Um like attracts like. So mm-hmm. it's a very reciprocal relationship with everybody that's in there. Like I will yeah. happily give um, with the understanding that you're happy to to give back, you know, whatever you have some expertise here or there. So it's um, building communities, Absolutely. I guess. Yep. Yeah. 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 And you're doing that a lot. Like I didn't know that. I mean, I would have never known that that happened kind of in your, and your, well, I mean, it makes sense to me, you know, like oh, yeah. it seems so logical. But yeah, I never really, I mean, I feel stupid now saying it out loud, but it, it does. It makes a lot oh, of sense yeah. that you would yeah. maintain a, a group of those people. Yeah. And I mean, you build the community within a restaurant and then people start to leave. And so your community expands and, you know, it's always a growing, moving organism. So, mm. Do you feel yeah. like uh, the people in your kitchen are kind of like your family? Does it become oh. like that close? 500%. I mean, especially when I was in a kitchen full time. I mean, now I freelance and consult on restaurants and do food styling and recipe writing and culinary producing, all the uh, all of the uh, things, right? I know. It, it's hard to see the little people from as high as you are. I get it. Yeah. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you brought your telescope to see him from your ivory tower up there. My goodness. <laughs> no, 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 no. It sounds luxurious. It's not as, not as glamorous as you think. <laughs> Um, but like when I was in restaurants full time, I would spend more time with the people in the restaurants than I would with my partner, with Mm. my family, with friends, you Mm. know, and, um, even when you get off the clock, you still sit down for a shift drink or y'all go out for a drink afterward. And that's where my girlfriend at the time would come and join us for that. But then, you know, she was in college, so She'd go to class in the morning and I'd sleep in because I'd start my day at noon and work until <laughs> midnight. And eat. so they were kind of opposite schedules there for a while. So definitely your restaurant family becomes sometimes closer than family and your friends that you had before that. Yeah. For certain. And yeah, for sure. blood runs deep, you know <laughs> I mean? And I think, because I've experienced this too, like when you're in a job that's high pressure, yeah. You know, what do they say? You know, it's like, um, there's no atheists in foxholes. But for me, it's like, whenever you're in that foxhole, everybody next to you becomes your brother or your sister or whatever. It Absolutely. Yeah. Because, yeah. Uh, you know, in those environments, like I can't question whether you've got my back. You have to know that, you know, because it's just Absolutely. You, you against the world. And so you develop like really strong bonds, at least yep. with those that do support you in the correct way. <laughs> and then, yeah. You know, the ones yeah. that don't just sort of sit over in the corner by themselves. Right. It's true. Yeah. And I'm, you see that on a line in a kitchen. You know, some nights grill station just gets beat down, but somebody from fish slides over to help out grill and get the plates out or whatever the case may be. And at the end of the night, everyone's like, oh, thanks for that. You know, for getting me out of that, whatever. And you know, there's all this support and the camaraderie and respect for each other in that exact moment 
that uh, no one else can understand unless you've been in that moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's, it's the ties that bind. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So I've noticed, uh, I've been in, I'm not at the moment for the first time in like 20 years, I'm not in like a high pressure job. Like I, okay. I've, and I feel like I'm retired. Like I, I've never, I have never been happier. Um, but I've noticed that I don't react the way normal people do in high pressure situations. Like hmm. for some reason, I'm just, everything slows down for me and I am just absolutely calm and it's abnormal. Uh, I think maybe I'm a serial killer. I just haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't react to stimuli. Like we were, I remember one time we were going down the highway and we were going like 70 and somebody came up behind us so fast that they sideswiped us a little bit. And I just calmly put on my blinker and then exited over to the side. Meanwhile, everybody else in the car was losing their minds. And it's just like, oh, you know, it's just, this is what we do. You know, it's just, wow. I don't know. So I've noticed people in charge of high pressure situations tend to learn to control that. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. as, as the pressure goes up, do you, do you, have you become one of the, uh, the chosen weirdos as well? Is that part I, of, you know, I think that's the fun part about being on a line in a busy, in a busy kitchen is everybody kind of goes into their zone and there's, um, I used to dance when I was younger and still was taking classes till just before the pandemic. Um, and when I was deciding what to do with my life, I was like, do I try to be a ballet dancer or do I cook? And I was like, oh, one I have to starve myself and probably won't be very good at. The other one, I can actually like, eat what I want, and, you know? <laughs> so I went into cooking, but I actually realized that there is a rhythm on the line huh. and that everybody on that line is dancing because if one person is out of step, somebody actually gets hurt. There's a burn, there's a splash, a knife falls, whatever the case may be, right? So everybody is dancing together. And when you hit that sweet spot, that rhythm, even with the ticker going and everything coming in, it's just everybody kind of falls in place, you know, and dances together. I think that's the, I love that about a line is just like, letting yourself go you 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 can only control what you can control so there's no reason to like panic about it (laughs) that's so beautiful like i I was gonna say choreographed dance but i guess it's more like improvisation because there's a A little little bit bit i mean when i was cooking with jan the woman that i was speaking about later earlier um literally we knew where each other were with just a tap like there was just a lot of like oh 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 like just letting the other person know where you were because it was just the two of us on the hotline and we wouldn't even have to say words to each other except for what we were plating, what ticket was up next. You know, it was just a dance and I love it. <laughs> it's <Damn>. addictive. <laughs> Do you ever get to a rhythm where you feel like you're just a badass? <laughs> of course. Like I can see that. Like I can feel that. <laughs> and that's usually right before it goes down. Sure. <laughs> you're on this high like, yeah. I got it. <laughs> Pride before the fall, huh? Exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, when you're when you're in that rhythm, you're on the line and everything's going, how would you describe the way that feels? Like what is that what is that feeling? Would you say it's excitement or would you say like I've sort of I think I've can 
mm, I think I've sort of been where you are and that feeling to me is like riding a wave, you know, it's yeah. just like everything is just hitting just right. And you're just doing like some amazing stuff. Like what, how would you describe it? I think that that's actually a very good description of it. Um, I was going to say it's calming, but hmm. it's, it's an intense calm, if that makes sense, because you don't want to take the pressure off because you still have to get stuff done, but you're just in this zone of knowing exactly what to do and when, you know, you're touching the meat, you're sauteing the vegetables, you're smelling something in the oven, you pull that out, you get your whatever going and, you know, all those things kind of, all of your senses are on high alert, but you're still here. Mm. So it's that intense calm that <laughs> is when you're in the sweet spot. Yeah, like hyper-focused. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I dig it. So do you find yourself uh, craving situations with chaos in them like that? No. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I should say sometimes. I do find... I used to do Spartan races. Do you know what those yeah, are? Yeah, I know what like Spartan races are. Like the obstacle courses. Yeah. So I did two of those. And for my 40th birthday, I wanted to go trapezing because I really love swings. That's awesome. I love swinging. So I said to my wife, I'm like, it's kind of a big adult swing, right? You just, <laughs> you're holding on from a, from a little pole instead of. So my wife and myself and three of our friends went trapezing for my 40th birthday. So I think there's there's a limit to how chaotic I want things to be or how intense <laughs> I want things to be, but I don't I can't say that I hate it because I define myself doing it quite a bit. Uh, well, I heard somebody describe like the way they like chaos. They said sometimes, like if I've got a meeting, I'll wait until I know I'm gonna be late. That way I have to rush through traffic and do like because they like they like that feeling. Like they like wow. the rush of it. Yeah. No, see, I'm very anal about being on time. Me too. <laughs> yeah. I can't I can't push the late thing. And my wife is on the slower side. Like she wants to be a couple minutes late. And I'm just, we're gonna be late. We're gonna be late. She's like, we're gonna be five minutes early. I said, that's on time. That's on time. <laughs> it's right. If you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, exactly. you're late. Exactly. <gasps> so, <laughs> so I'm not somebody who pushes the envelope on the timing thing, but yeah. I do like a little adventure every now and then, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that definitely, yeah, I am on board with the on-time thing. That drives me bonkers. Yeah. It also, well. like, I don't know, I've been in the game long enough where I've, I've done things that are, like, time-sensitive and, like, you've got a day stacked with meetings, all this stuff, and, like, if you don't show up on time, you're basically saying that your time is worth more than mine is, right? That exactly. you are more important. And it's like, mm -hmm. that's... To me, that's a sign of disrespect, especially if you don't Absolutely. let me know ahead of time. If you can uh, call me or text me or something like that, I'm totally okay with that. But. Absolutely. And I, one of my pet peeves is if somebody is really late for a restaurant reservation, especially if I've made the reservation and my name is on the reservation uh, and somebody is more than the 15 minute late that you're allowed, you know, I get so... Like I can feel the anxiety inside of me. Yes, like right in your out. chest, right? Yes, like oh, I am yeah. about to explode because <laughs> I have been on the other side in yeah. the restaurant saying, well, if you're not here in 15 minutes, we can use that table. We mm -hmm. can give it up. But then somebody's like, well, why'd they give up the table? It's like because we're not, you know, those, those situations, oh, 
they irk me so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wonder. I try to contain it, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get a little worked up right now. I can see it. Exactly. You get a little flushed. You get a little exactly. upset. My, the color of my skin shows. <laughs> my goodness. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, you uh, trapeze at forty. That's killer. Uh, right. My my body is way too old for that. But you said you were a dancer even up to like the pan. You said when I was younger, up to the pandemic. That wasn't that long ago, Lish. I I, I think time hasn't compressed as much as you think. Yeah. Um, well, serious dancing. Like I was seriously dancing until I was 18 and then went to culinary school. Then after culinary school, I went back to it for a couple of years. Um, like just to kind of, to me, dancing is very grounding and you have to be in the moment, right? Once you hmm. put your hand on the bar and the piano starts, you're just like, ah, oh, here I am, you know? And you're thinking only about what your feet are doing, mm. what your arm is doing, what the presentation is. You're feeling all of the feels in mm. the studio. You have to be there. So the stress of the day goes out the window, even mm. though what's happening to your body is not normal. <laughs> Ballet is telling your body everything that it shouldn't do. <laughs> That's maybe the, the part of it that I enjoy, <laughs> the pressure, the intensity of it. But there's something about a ballet class that just, that's it for me. Mm. So when we moved to New York, I was nervous to take dance classes because it's New York. <laughs> I mean, only professionals take dance classes mm. here, right? And it took a couple of years before I had the balls to go to Steps on Broadway. And I took an open level class and just, it reminded me of every reason that I loved it. So I took, took started right taking, back. yeah, I started taking open level adult classes whenever I could. And that's, yeah. Then the pandemic hit and I'm like, I can't dance in a mask. I, I just can't do it. I, I have trouble breathing enough as it is without mm. the mask. Like, why am I going to do that? You know? So, mm. yeah. Well, once they drop we'll the mask see. mandate, are you going to go back? Maybe. I might. We'll have to see. Once you get the nerve up, grab the, the courage exactly. again and then get yeah. back in there. Yep. Follow me on Instagram. See if the ballet shoes pop up. <laughs> <laughs> I do follow you. Know. Um, See? Oh, good. Yeah. Follow <laughs> all of your socials. They're Excellent. super cool. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. <laughs> um, that's interesting. So how did you find ballet? I was put in it at a young age. My oh. sister danced and I always liked watching her dance. And then she quit pretty quick and I just fell in love with it. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I tried to take classes at the studio that she was taking and it did not stick. I did not like the instructor. I was mm. not happy. It was like a sit down and cry situation, you know? <laughs> oh, serious? Um, yeah. And then uh, my parents were like, oh, well, we can take you to this other studio and see how it is. And I just hit the ground running. I was hooked. Mm. So yeah. what was uh, what was Littlish like? Oh, that's, that's a tongue twister. What <laughs> was know. that like being a kid? Like, Isn't tell that, me about your you uh, parents. Just see me littleish. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not like biglish now. I mean, you you look pretty compact. I'm just gonna say it. Uh, littleish. Well, <laughs> what part of littleish do you want to hear about? <laughs> oh my gosh, this is going there off the tracks. There are many sides of littleish. Oh my goodness. Uh, just <laughs> tell me, like, what, how were your were your parents pretty supportive of all uh, of this stuff? Like, I am assuming, like, with dance, you know, I mean. That's a, oh, an yeah. artistic endeavor. And so you worry. It's like, oh, my God, and my kids going to be able to eat? Are they going to be able to feed themselves? <laughs> yeah. you know, no, they drove me to all the recitals, all the classes. They were, they were in it to win it, which I love them for because there were 
quite a few classes that I'd be taking. Um, yeah, I mean, I think oh, overall, I was a pretty good, happy kid. I do remember a couple of times in like second grade, pouting in the hallway and crying over like a family photo because I wanted my parents to come pick me up from school. I was so miserable. I didn't get the teacher I wanted and I was just so upset. <laughs> this actually you can probably see. And my mother loves to remind me of the story. I went into the principal's office in second grade, mind you. So what is that, like six or seven years old? Yeah, somewhere in the neighborhood. And I demanded that he call the president of the United States so that the president changed the law that I would have to go to school because hmm. I no longer wanted to go to school. <laughs> So the principal had to call my mother and say, Mrs. Styling, your daughter is demanding for us to call the president <laughs> because she no longer wants to go to school. So there was a little of that side, but you know, that's gotcha. any kid, right? We gotcha. all have those moments. <laughs> so you're basically saying you were only been unsuccessful at one thing in your life, and that was getting out of school. Everything else, <laughs> you've been a rock star at. I wouldn't say a rock star in everything else, but... <laughs> But I did suck at getting out of school. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So you had really supportive parents. How about the um, the cooking thing? You said, you know, one, I could starve myself or one, I could eat. But <laughs> obviously, you must have had some kind of leanings that direction, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I started in restaurants when I was 15 years old um, as a busser and quickly realized that I wanted to be a cook. And at the time, 15 was too young. You had to be 16 to use all of the equipment that... Mm was in the station that I wanted to work, but they brought me on anyway. So I got to work as a pizza cook at the age of 15 in the middle of the dining room, making wood burning, wood fired um, pizzas and roast chicken and orange roughy and all the things in the wood fire. It was amazing, it was so much fun. But it kind of started when, um, well, I fell in love with Martha Stewart at probably the age of, <laughs> maybe 11 or 12, I had every single one of the Martha Stewart Living magazines from probably issue three on. Really? <laughs> and I think they're still in my parents' basement. I think they've actually saved them for me. Um, and I would watch Martha Stewart Living every Saturday morning. Uh, I, if I had a sick day at home from school, and this goes back to when I was probably eight or nine years old, my grandmother was the one who would be home with me because both my parents worked. And so we would watch Yankin Cook, and we would watch Julia Child, and we would watch Frugal Gourmet, and um, the guy that I can never remember his name, he was from New Orleans, and he would always go, little onion, little wine, <laughs> and he wore suspenders. I can never remember his name. Yeah, but, I know you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> but those were the shows that I grew up watching. And so by the time I was 13, I was cooking full-on Thanksgiving meals for my family. And the Martha Stewart recipe, like the um, cheesecloth and wine and butter, and you let it bake, let it roast like that for a while, and all the sides and all the fixings and the pies, everything. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I had it stuck in me since I was definitely a young age. I would sit up on the counter with my grandma when she was whipping cream, and she'd let me, let me lick the beaters yeah. and... If I was misbehaving and, you know, needed something to do with my hands, she would give me a little piece of dough or something to knead and play with. And so, yeah, it's kind of what like kept me, what kept me occupied. <laughs> that's something cool to do with your hands. You know? That your parents would trust you to make Thanksgiving dinner. Because that's, uh, I mean, that's a pretty big deal. 
the uh-huh. fact that, that that you had proven yourself had you proven yourself enough to be able to do it or were they just you know like yeah let's see what happens they're like sure try it you know i mean i would cook random little things quesadillas and stuff like that yeah. you know grilled cheese um those little situations i don't think i had really done any kind of big meal up until that point like it tried to make fettuccine alfredo out of the walt disney world cookbook um <laughs> you know i'd follow recipes yeah. Little did I know that later in life I'd be creating recipes. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> so, yeah, it was fun. And I mean, God bless my dad that he'd get up at 6:30 in the morning with me on Thanksgiving Day to, you know, put the turkey <laughs> because I was 13 years old and couldn't do all that stuff by myself, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, it was fun. And you still you still cook for your family on the holidays like that? Um, I'm often not home for holidays normally it's our created family uh for holidays but if we do go home yeah i'll definitely cook no matter when it is if it's in summer because august in wisconsin is beautiful and that's when all the produce is great and um i'll always cook for my in-laws i'll cook for my direct family i i love to do it so Mm. whenever i have the opportunity definitely throw something together (laughs) so are you by default the designated chef all the time or (laughs) <laughs> do they do they like ask you, hey, Lish, what you do? Or is it just assumed you're going to do these things? Well, I don't think it's definitely not assumed, but I often <laughs> offer because one, I like to do it and it, I like to also be busy. I have a hard time just sitting still and looking out at a lake or reading a book or <laughs> unless it's a cookbook. <laughs> oh, yeah, but I yeah. know, dude, like you're. Your list of accomplishments reads like a career criminal's rap sheet. Like, yeah, I can, yeah, you obviously have never sat still for more than five or 10 minutes in your life. And I assume that was uh, the five or 10 minutes you sleep at night. Uh, yeah. Must be it. Yeah, it's crazy. So yeah, that definitely tracks. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You stay busy. That's, um. so whenever you're cooking for like your family, you said it's something you want to do. Is it... Um, like what's like what is it that makes you want to do that like for me like when i do things for others i truly derive pleasure from um uh taking care of the people that i care about especially like i love i, I don't know why but i love taking people to restaurants they've never been like if i've been there yep. it's good and i love to see them experience that thing yes. that i like like i love uh-huh. to do that um especially with my wife i love discovering new stuff you know with my partner just it just makes it so much uh, sweeter, more fulfilling. I just more enjoyable all the way around. So is that yep. kind of what you get out of making? Because it's like I, I could never create like the way those things taste. I could never personally do that. Like that's not that's not within me to do that. But you have right. the capability of making these amazing uh, flavors, experiences, and bringing them to people, which I had never thought about like that. That is like almost like a superpower like, to me. <laughs> um yeah i definitely it's my way of showing people that i care and taking care of people for sure um i mean i've always said you can change somebody's day just by feeding them a good meal Mm. if somebody's in a crappy mood and all of a sudden you feed them something that either they've never had before or it reminds them of a childhood thing or Mm. there's something that happens Food is emotional. So to share that with people is something special to me. And I like to I like to share that and take care of people. And I'm not the most 
patient person when it comes to, um, I don't know what to say, like consoling, I guess. Maybe. <laughs> like I, 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 I don't even know how to word it. I just food is my like food is my way of showing people that I care. It's like you know? food's your love language. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> you know what's funny is I had never thought about like this food is emotional. So like I know I like to perform. I'm not an actor, but I like I perform in various parts of my life. And yeah. I like the ability for me to think a thing uh, and convey it in such a way that it produces an emotion in somebody. And I never thought about you're doing the exact same thing with your meals. You are yeah. literally invoking an emotion via the tangible output of your creativity, your art. That is so baller. That's crazy that like, that's the part about me performing that I truly love. And that's one of the pieces that means the most to you. That's so cool. Yeah. Like I had never made that parallel. Yeah. And what's actually pretty funny is that, so my wife and I started a brand called the Taste Curators where we merge food, fashion, and design, right? And that's one of the parallels that we often talk about is how when you get dressed in the morning and you put on an outfit that makes you feel good, it's emotional, mm. you know? Mm. And it's the same thing with food. When you put something in your body that makes you feel good, that's an emotional experience. There's a, this emotional connection between fashion and food that so often get overlooked. You don't see the, the parallels um, because the industries are often so opposite they're so polarizing so we're trying to shed a light on those little parallels even as simple as them be both being emotional and evoking a feeling when you taste or put something on yeah i've always heard you uh you eat with your eyes first yep and i know that's true because sometimes my wife won't even taste something if it looks slightly slightly amiss you know if it's yep. not exactly the way she and What's funny is even if it looks bad, if it tastes delicious, it'll still taste bad to her. Like, right. Yeah. Because Which it doesn't look appealing. Yeah. Yeah. And Although I often think that a lot of the most, the ugliest food out there is sometimes some of the best. <laughs> oh, dude. Uh, we were wedding photographers for almost a decade and the ugliest cakes taste the best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The prettier they look, the worse they taste. So <laughs> a pretty yeah. universal scale. Yeah. Tell you. See? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It tracks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that marrying of, yeah. So I, I did, I did like, you know, digging around and then the taste curators, I saw that, um, mm -hmm. like, uh, I wasn't a hundred percent. Well, I mean, I was, cause you guys clearly outlined, uh, kind of what your mission statement is on there and everything. Mm -hmm. But I found your Instagram and I kind of fell in love with that. The taste curators Instagram, because you're pairing food and fashion, you know, you find these, uh -huh. But, you know, being a photographer for so long, like my brain loves symmetry, you know, and it loves seeing two like things put together, you know, in unexpected yes. ways. And so I, I love how you pair those things together. Like, I don't know, man, it's like ASMR for my brain, just yes. seeing those pictures. Like, <laughs> I spent way too much time scrolling and just like clicking <laughs> and thinking about they just and then, yep, the next one. Yeah, yes. I like that one. And but then, it, it's so good, right? And it's, it's so it good. It opens your eyes to being like, oh my God, that reminded me of this. And like no other connection, but suddenly you see the similarities. <laughs> yeah. And I like the idea of being able to take one, could take inspiration from the other and vice versa. Yep. So, yeah, 
absolutely oh yay then we then we did our thing <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure you've done oh mission accomplished hang the banner yeah. on the uh, aircraft care we got a 40 year old ball guy to, to, to <laughs> look at art and food uh, or rather fashion and food oh. yeah I oh my goodness yeah you uh you, <laughs> you definitely mission accomplished i but it's so funny like i don't know how um creative people can find inspiration in things unexpected to me. Like I always love that. So the idea that like you could, I'm assuming look at an outfit or yeah. Cause I mean, we're talking about fashion. You could see something in fashion and maybe come up with like, that would inspire a meal for you. That's absolutely cool. So, and fascinating all at the same time. Yeah. I actually did a project with a choir group during the pandemic. Um, and I had done a project with them previously as well. That was similar to this. Uh, but it was called Taste. And basically, the uh, choir director um, sent me all of the music, recordings of the music. And I listened to it, and I decided what the music tasted like, or tried to decipher what the music tasted like, at least to me. It might not be to everybody, right? But I then uh, took that and wrote recipes for each piece that they were performing. And there were four different sections to the entire uh situation and uh, the goal was is that if you signed in to you know be a participant in this experience they would send you the recording of the music that the choir recorded which were all re recorded separately you know and then built on top of each other but you also got this recipe and it, you cook the recipe beforehand and then you sit down and listen to the music as you eat the meal and uh, the idea being that you're listening to what you're tasting and that it's a full body immersive experience and you're engaging multiple senses that wouldn't normally be engaged for just like listening to music. And it, we got a lot of good feedback from it because it is something that people don't often think about that there might be this crossover as can our taste buds actually experience what we hear and can we, you know, see what we might taste and all those kinds of things the the crossovers of senses and experiences <laughs> oh my gosh you're breaking my brain right now like the idea <laughs> it was so that, much fun <laughs> like i'm just imagining like sitting down to a meal and as they bring you a different course they change the tracks yes and you're just all right and then transition yeah. to the next track and here's the next plate oh my gosh yeah. that's crazy we want to do it in person once everything kind of settles down and things open up again so hopefully we'll actually be able to pull it off but yeah that sounds I think so, be so cool much fun. Yeah. yeah and what you described also made me think of um i believe it's called synesthesia where mm -hmm. yeah you get people sometimes the wiring in their brain their senses kind of get crossed and so one thing will go into another and there's like uh, i think somebody on twitter twitter with synesthesia you like tweet them your name and they'll uh -huh. tell you what it, your name tastes like it's like yeah crazy right yeah yeah <laughs> it's so cool yeah or you know people will hear music and the music has different colors yeah yeah and so it's they so they can quite literally see the music yeah know, without well, you know hallucinogens yeah and it's kind <laughs> of interesting because we at the taste creators we talk about palette versus palette because there's a color palette that's spelled one way and oh then there's a flavor God. palette, right? Ugh. But I approve of the pun of, just for the yeah. guys of this conversation. Right? Oh my gosh. But there are so many similarities and crossovers yeah. with palette versus palette. 
Because yeah. you taste things and it might cause an emotion. It might stir up a memory. It might do something. It's the same thing with a color palette. Like all of these things that come to play and how they cross over and merge. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. Fun. That's we we're running with that. <laughs> that's palette versus palette. <laughs> oh my God. You live such a charm life. <laughs> you want to pay my rent <laughs> you live in new york right i'm pretty sure yeah. i do not yeah exactly no thank you maybe you could um maybe you could ebay that emmy that just so happens to be sitting in the background just oh, over yeah. your over your oh this old thing oh this one who that? <laughs> so let's segue into yeah you you've i mean you've been in food for decades and but it's not just cooking you sort of reinvented yourself maybe a little bit um oh here sure. and so i'm curious like uh, how do you go from sweating your butt off in a kitchen to uh i know you've been on chopped and you have had three emmy nominations for your work in tv and then also uh, that lovely uh, emmy over your Love shoulder, over my shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> so just i mean i i'm not gonna sit here and read all this stuff you know we could, <laughs> we could talk about it uh but i'm just curious like how does how does one go about making the transition i'm sure it was an interesting little series of events yeah very carefully it's actually a fun story oh. but, um so when i was in culinary school i had no idea that food styling was a thing that culinary producing was a thing I literally imagined myself being in restaurants for the rest of my life and not having any problem with that. Like, and I still miss restaurants to this day. That's where my last job was ideal because I did a little bit of all of it, you know? Um, but when I moved to New York, so I was a sous chef for a large restaurant group out here and I had an unfortunate experience with an executive chef. I was his sous chef. Um, and so I decided it had gotten bad enough that I was like, I need to step out of this mm. or I'm going to lose my love of food. Like mm. that's, you know, it was starting to just eat me from the inside out basically. Mm. Um, so I had found out that the senior vice president of production for food network actually had lunches at our restaurants quite frequently. It was, we, I was working in Chelsea. Um, so I took his name and number out of the reservation book <laughs> <laughs> and literally blind called him and it, his assistant said, Oh, I'm sorry. He's not available right now. He's normally better to contact via email. It's like, great. Don't suppose you'd mind giving me his email. <laughs> she was like, sure, of course. So I got his email and I emailed him and he actually responded to me. And he passed me on to somebody who passed me on to somebody who actually brought me in for an interview at Food Network. And that's where I started freelancing, food styling, recipe testing, um, you know, conducting tests for their contests that they would always hold. Uh, then I spoke to the person who had hired me there and I was like, I need more. Like, I want to like, learn more and do more in this industry. So she passed me on to friends of hers who worked at Gourmet Magazine and the Today Show and uh, did a couple of you know spots off on the side with cookbooks um freelanced for a couple of cooking shows doing uh food styling and like behind the scenes associate producing uh and then got a full-time gig at the today show from that and that's where i mean i say with the today show it was like going on a stage every day except the chefs came to me and i got paid for it so it was <laughs> the best learning experience 
because all of the best chefs would come on the show and cook right alongside you, you know, and you got to ask them questions and learn their flavor palettes and different ingredients, new ingredients. And, and it was just amazing. So, and that is where, um, Jada De Laurentiis, who is a food network chef and a chef owner or chef of a couple of uh, restaurants now as well. Um, she, uh, used to be a contributor or she might still be a contributor at the time. So she was on once a month. Mm. Um, and we got to kind of know each other and she, we had had a drink one night and she was like, you know, I'm looking for somebody to kind of oversee my culinary team and I'm looking to open up my first restaurant. And so I want somebody with restaurant experience. And I was like, Oh, great. And she said, but they have to be in LA. So I was like, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. And if I think of anyone, I'll let you know. And then the <laughs> next time she came out, she was like, okay, they can be in New York or LA. And I was like, oh, okay. Hmm. So let's talk, you know, and that's how it all happened. So seven plus years later, I uh, was with her for that amount of time and then just stepped away to start the taste creators and try to do my own thing and um, really make a go of it with my wife and I in this brand. So We'll see. We'll see what happens. Slow and steady. <laughs> That's cool. So you're saying it all started with some light stalking. Seriously, light stalking before Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you were yeah. saying that, I mean, sometimes perseverance is how you get in the door. And it sounds like that's what you did. Yeah. Um, and I already, you know, they say any good lawyer doesn't ask a question they don't already know the answer to. And I, I feel like I know the answer to this one. Uh, but uh, I'm not a lawyer, by the way. Uh, <laughs> But it's, um, why do you, should I be concerned? Oh, there's a summons I've been trying to serve you for the last hour and a half. Uh, you just haven't stopped talking. Um, no, <laughs> you know, like people were passing you on, right? You were like having these conversations with folks and, oh, I want more, I want more. And they were willing to pass you on. Why do you think that was? Why you over all the other people that they were talking with and working with? I mean, God knows. I always, I always say that I was very, fortunate to meet the right people who I've had a lot of mentors in my life who have taken a chance on me and passing me on people and um, getting to know me and how I work and um, the care that I like to think that I put into what I do. Um, so as much as I always say that I was very lucky to have all of the opportunities that I have kind of stumbled upon, I am often reminded that ultimately I was the person who blind called and, you know, I was the person who asked for more work and it all like I did the work along the way. And I often kind of overlooked that. I'm like, Oh, so many great people. you know. <laughs> and I did, I, that's like, to me, the biggest thing um, that I really appreciated about moving to New York is that everybody was like, oh, it's so intimidating. But when I asked, people were willing to do things, you know, and willing to help you out and they're willing to mentor you and they're willing to get you more work or at least try to, you know, um, New York is a pretty cool city when, if you get to know it and if you open yourself up to it, um, people are very friendly and in it together. Cause I feel like it's kind of like being in a restaurant. It's a shared experience. New hmm. York city is a shared experience. <laughs> so, and we're all going through it together, you know? So I think if you're willing to put your head down and do the work, you can really go far. Um, and I also reminded recently, um, when I was partying with full time from Jada, I still freelance with her, but, 
um, she reminded me, don't be afraid to ask. Mm. So along the way, it's like, you know, that actually made me feel better for asking for help along the way, <laughs> you know, because that is how you get farther. You know, if you, if you don't ask for it, you're never going to get it. So you kind of have to put it out there, you know, and um, sometimes it takes balls of steel to do that. <laughs> um, but in the long run, it's worth it. I like to think, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I have so many notes on all the things you just said. Oh, no. So... <laughs> <laughs> Deep thoughts I'm about to grade you on what you actually answered. No, no, that is terrific. <laughs> like, I, I think, I think a lot of that is true. Um, what, you know, like, so I think sometimes it's right time, right place, right? The mm -hmm. fact that that person was at your restaurant, that's right time, right place. Right? Yep. But absolutely. then you took the information and you put in the work. I, I think yep. you mentioned putting in the work because that's, you just got to show up, right? Yep. Because if, if you don't show up, you're not even going uh, to attempt to finish the race. Yeah. Right? You got to get in there. Yeah. Um, I've also know that in my life, <clears throat> I've had multiple people uh, they're like under me, like whether I was mentoring them or they were my employees or whatever, my directs. And maybe two different people would ask me, hey, I'm interested in this position. One was eager. Um, mm -hmm. They put in the work. They were passionate about what they do. And the other person was not. They were meeting the bare minimum, right? And so it's yeah. who do you put your time and energy into? It's the person that you think you're going to get the most out of. And talking to you, I have never met anybody so passionate about food, like instantly, <laughs> like, like you are just like, so on fire for it. Um, and it's, you're just, your charisma, you're charismatic. And the fact that you're asking, you're saying, Hey, I want to do this. And you have all those other qualities to me. That's like, that's a no brainer. It's like, yes, I will promote this person. And also, I think you said it earlier. It's like, if I say not in the exact same way, um, but you were talking about like, if you get a reservation for a restaurant, somebody doesn't show up, that's kind of representative of you. And to me, if I'm going to refer somebody, this person is a representation of me, right? Like if right. I'm going to put them forward. And so uh, to me, it's like, you just ticked all of those boxes. And so why, of course, why wouldn't they, why wouldn't they recommend you? You know what I mean? Like, oh, thank you. it's an easy thank answer. You. Like that You're is so, <laughs> it's no, so immediately so obvious. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're. It's perfectly obvious. Yeah, I could see where you're at on that. You're you're wearing your face. You're talking about New York to shared experience. I got to um, go to New York, I think 2019, just before the Panty D hit, you know, uh, like mm -hmm. in the summer. <clears throat> oh, nice. I loved the city. Yeah. It was, I would put my headphones in and I would walk through it. And it was like, I don't know, it felt like a symphony. All the people just moving in concert together and then they're just the ebbs and flows of everything i don't know maybe we're like schools of fish but there was just something so beautiful about it it felt like the city itself was alive like a living thing it's sort of weird and hard for me to describe but i loved it i loved it for the second i was there i mean talk about a rhythm right yeah. that's yeah. the city has a rhythm and some people love it and embrace it and can dive right into it. It sounds like you did. And some people yeah. it's just not right for. And I think that you know rather quickly. Some people, it's just another place, nice place to visit. You know, I always go back to, and I, we're both too young for this song, but I'm an old soul. So I listen to <laughs> Rosemary Clooney. And she has that song called, Do You Miss New York? 
where she's talking about like all the horrible things of New York, the rat race, the chatter, <laughs> the blah, blah, blah. And if you had to like do it all again, do you think that you could still hack it? And at the end, they, she says, but do you miss New York? And she's like, me too. Yeah. So to me, it's not just another nice place to visit. It's home. You know, mm. if you fit into that and you, you get it and you feel the energy that's there and you're able to kind of work with it instead of fight it, it's a great place. And you just have to be a little open to seeing what it reveals to you. <laughs> well, you know, too, it felt like endless exploration. Like I mm -hmm. could never see everything. I could never taste everything. And yeah. every single face was a new potential. You know, it's yes. like, what kind of story could that person tell me? And it just yes. like, I want to hug you right now. Greg. Oh, like, I know. <laughs> I, oh, we're like, I think we are like very kindred spirits, Lish. Um, but yeah, it. just the endless opportunity. Cause where I met, there's no, <laughs> there's not much opportunity, <laughs> let alone endless opportunity. But it also seems like maybe, maybe New York would attract those kind of folks. I mean, obviously not across the board, but you know, right. like you say, like attracts like, and I think, um, kind of that, that idea of melting pot and just, I was surrounded by so many different faces, so yeah. many different humans from different walks of life. And I just wanted to talk to every single one of them. And I've heard people say, Oh, New Yorkers are so rude. I saw it as these people were busy. They had places to go and talking to me wasn't in their agenda of things. That I exactly. totally understand. I totally get that. Yeah. You know, like I'm so accustomed that every time, you know, down here we go anywhere, you just say, hello, how are you doing? Howdy. People respond. Um, you know, whereas there, you know, most people had like their earbuds in and they were doing their thing. And what's mm -hmm. funny is I embraced that. I did the same thing. Yeah. And I just became another fish in the, the school. And so I yeah. loved it. I loved yeah. it. It was such an amazing experience. Exactly. But what's also funny about it is that where we are, um, so we're in Brooklyn. We moved here, I think, seven years ago, maybe. We were on the Upper East Side for nine years. And here, I know the names of my butchers. I know the names of my fish guys. They know that I like to smell the fish before I buy it. <laughs> I know the <laughs> names of the, the grocery guys. You know, it's such a close network of community and, you know, people at the same time. And everybody's different. There's all different kinds of walks of life. And it truly is a melting pot. But it is fascinating how here on the sidewalk, we know our neighbors. We say, yeah. hi, we're in a small building. Yeah. We know we're friendly with our landlady and her family. And they're the best landladies that we've ever had, you know, like before we would never even meet our landlord. So it's just it's it's a fascinating uh, rotating, I don't know, <laughs> culture that happens in yeah. the city, you know, and it is just kind of what you fall into and what you make home. <laughs> I, I just like now imagining you walk into your uh, your fishmonger. One guy leans over the other. This is the lady that likes to smell the fish. Just go with it. Do not trust us yet. We can totally trust you, but it's I don't want to lose the habit. And they're like, okay, we get it. We get it. They got a Polaroid picture of you up. Like, do not allow lady to smell fish. Okay, yeah. <laughs> actually when i was on the upper east side i had a fishmonger tell me i can't have you smell it and i was like why not he goes because what happens if you don't like how it smells i can't put it back everybody sees that you don't like how it smells and i'm like 
<laughs> well, then you shouldn't be selling it if I don't like how much Last time I bought fish from them. <laughs> no. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Like, He's right. back there spraying that new fish smell on it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Smell this one. It's fine. Yeah. It's great. Oh my gosh. Love it. That's freaky. All right. Let's uh, transition yet again. Um, I have met, and you know, obviously I, I did a little bit of digging on you. Mm-hmm. I did this thing where I dig a little bit, but not too much because I still want to be surprised. I still want you to tell the right, story. Right. <laughs> um, but you have done some stuff with tattoos and food. Um, and I've noticed this. I'm sure anybody who's ever been around, you know, kitchen folks have, uh, that there seems to be uh, this direct relationship with cooks, kitchen, and some of my favorite waiters I've ever had uh, with like tattoos. And it's just curious how one seems to follow the other. Is that a prerequisite? Is that like rites of passage? Like they didn't let you into the culinary school until you had a little bit of ink or like, why, why do you think it is that, but is it, I mean, both, I guess it's, I don't know. I'm sitting here answering for you. Like it's the creativity of the people, right. With how they're inventive with their flavors and they want to show that unique nature and their ink and all that stuff. I don't know. You tell me. What's, I think what's... that's, that's exactly it. It's the personality. It's a way of having, showing your personality on your sleeve, pun intended, you know? Mm. Um, And I think there is a little bit of an element of that, like we were saying, not necessarily looking for chaos, but that excitement of getting a tattoo and what goes along with it, what what it means to have a tattoo that you sat there for two hours with, you know, a needle going in and out of (laughs) your arm or leg or wherever it may be. Um, it's to me, like, it was just a way of showing my personality on the outside of me, you know, and kind of express my feelings of food on the outside. So, I mean, this one, the, the pig flying one, mm-hmm. it's, I always call it my hopeful tattoo, even though, first of all, I love pigs and I love pork, but, um, it was on a wine menu in Mexico city that my wife found, um, and she was like, oh, my God, this is your next tattoo. And I was like, it is. But it's my hopeful tattoo. So as much as it's food, it's always it reminds me when pigs fly. And it's mm. like, this one's doing it. You know, these birds are helping him out. And he's he's taking off. <laughs> so that's that's my hopeful tattoo. And some, so sometimes it's just almost a reminder to myself <laughs> of who you are and your personality and where you've come from and where you're going. All right. Well, to paint a picture for the people that are just listening, it's. It's a pig with strings going up to birds and they're lifting them off the ground, right? I mean, yeah. How cute, right? Yeah, it's super adorable. Yeah, I saw that one. I saw that. <laughs> I saw three of yours online or maybe two. Yeah. And that was one. And I was like, that's really cool. I bet yeah. it's an interesting story. Yeah. And then there's, so there's the radish. Radish, which, there yeah. You go, if you're watching. Um, that was one of my first food tattoos, I think. Yep. The other ones were non-food up until that point. And then uh, when I won Chopped, I got the matching. So this is a carrot on the other. <laughs> and then I have a large blooming artichoke that goes up my spine. But oh, it's wow. like an overbloomed one. So it's like flowered, you know. It's gone to seed. Um, yes, exactly. And that was actually covering up a bad tattoo that I paid $20 <laughs> for in college. <laughs> <laughs> 
So um, why was the radish your very first food tattoo? Like, what is the I radish love signify? radishes. Love Dang. radishes. They're small, red, spicy, with yeah. <laughs> everything. Just like me. No. I know, dude. Um, yeah, I love the... Well, I love the diversity of radishes because you mentioned spicy, right? But when you butter braise them or roast them, they become sweet. So it's like this double personality. <sighs> you know, I think that they're very... Um, they're an interesting vegetable, but just radishes with butter. That was, I love that as a go-to snack. So that was the main reason that kind of led me to it. But now when you think about a radish, you're going to be saying, Oh, there's so many different ways, so many different personalities to pull out of that vegetable. That you're, tiny, you're making tiny life little so complicated for me. I just, <laughs> Oh no, why can't things be simple? Lish? I apologize in <laughs> advance. <laughs> I, yeah, I've only ever had like radish, like, shaved over a salad or something like right. that I've never... shaved over iceberg <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah yeah nothing wrong with that love that in a good salad <laughs> <laughs> my grandma used to eat them like apples though she would just take a bite She's yeah pretty hardcore that's i love raw radishes and i like them just dip them in a little bit of kosher salt eat them like popcorn but the problem is that as oh i've gotten God. older they don't i have to limit myself because <laughs> They bite back sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, you know, you can only have so many before you're like, hmm, something's not right. <laughs> yeah. Could have been that half pound of radishes I just exactly. ate. It's going to be something else. Uh, yeah. Spring is hard for me at the farmer's market. <laughs> want to buy all the different colored radishes. <laughs> so why the carrot for chopped? I actually, honestly, the true story with a carrot, I wish I could come up with something more clever, is that I thought that it would look very nice opposite the radish. It <laughs> does. It would, that it would fill the space well. <laughs> it's a lovely pairing. It reminds Thank me of you. like some vintage art. See? Yeah. yeah. And it's funny. Um, I have a, this silverware on the back of my arm, speaking of vintage art, um, that I had literally brought in like a set, a picture of a set of silverware to the tattoo artist. Um, and she sketched it up and put it on. And shortly after getting it, I was waiting on the platform for the subway. And some woman walked up to me. She said, I'm sorry, but I'm in charge of vintage flatware for Tiffany's. And I could tell you the exact line of whatever <laughs> flatware that that was. And I was like, wow, okay. And she like started talking to me all about it. Yeah, <laughs> man. So cool. I'll right, tell I you, everybody's, right everybody's got a weird kink, you know? Right? Yeah. The lady in her flatware. That's wild. I know. That's so, man, New York is such a cool place. Right? <laughs> Meet all walks of life. It's good. <laughs> That's wild. That's yeah. cool. So I saw that flatware uh, on online, but I couldn't tell was it necessarily you because I saw a couple of different versions. I was like, hmm, which one is which? Yeah. So I thought maybe that was, yeah, all right. Yeah, I'm That's sure cool. other people have gotten it now too, but it's just the fork and spoon on mine. Trendsetter. Trendsetter. Yeah, because... At the time, Abby was like, I will not let you get a knife tattooed on your body. So I got the fork and spoon. <laughs> Why? Just too, like, intense, I think, which I don't blame her. What about, like, a butter knife? Yeah, well, that's... that's what it would have been, yeah. Yeah. Still, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was afraid you were going to go back to the gang life? Yeah, I guess show so. Your, showing your butter knife tattoo? I get it. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, it was actually cute. Our niece, um, when she was very young used to come over and pretend to take the flatware off of the back of my arm and then eat the radish with the <laughs> fork and the spoon. <laughs> eat the radish and then put the flatware back. <laughs> That's too cute. cute. <laughs> Ugh. 
kids are the worst when they're not being the best. I, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have kids? <laughs> I have two, yes. And how old are they? Uh, I've got a 13-year-old and a 16-year-old. Oh, wow. Yeah, and they are big dudes. Um, <laughs> so my wife is uh, six foot. I'm six foot three. Okay. My 16-year-old is about 6'5", 280, and my 13-year-old is about 6'1", 180. So they're wow. big. They're big yeah. kids. Like, like literally, they're huge. We, you, I remember what it was like to have leftovers. You remember that? Where you'd put things <laughs> in the fridge? Yeah. It's like nothing. Not anymore. It's yeah. like barren in here. It's ridiculous. I was just going to say, you've got to cook for like six. <laughs> it's Yeah. I mean, yeah, because they're growing. And yeah. I mean, they are crushing it. Crushing it. Growing boys eat a lot. <laughs> I know, dude. And yeah. they eat it at all hours of the day, apparently, because they'll have something like hidden in the fridge. I was like, yeah. oh, this is this is lunch tomorrow. I'm excited about this. And yeah. Then, yeah. Yeah. It's gone. By day. six o'clock the next morning, it's gone. Animals, savages, no respect, <laughs> right? You write your name on it. You write dad uh, and <laughs> they eat it. You write, I licked this and they eat it. They don't care. It's just <laughs> gone, bro. Wow. Do I they know. have any go-tos? Are they pretty, they'll eat anything. Anything, pretty much. I mean, there's weird variances in between there, but you know, if it's in the fridge and they get hungry, it's gone. Yeah, doesn't matter what it is. You could be like, it's pretty sea much. urchin on top of oysters on top of foie gras, and they'd be like, mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like put it in some toast and it'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, amazing. <laughs> Animals. Oh my gosh, Lish. Well, I have eaten a ton of your time. Pun intended. Um, uh, buzzing. It's a good dad joke. Uh, <laughs> I love a good dad joke, so I mean that in oh the best way gosh. possible. <laughs> I do sometimes. Oh man, I've got an Australian friend, and he almost completely speaks in puns. And it's like at some point, it just starts wounding you. You know? Yeah. Just, oh my! Ugh, you just gotta catch your breath. It's, yeah. It's, Oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Parts of me I miss are dead now from him. Oh. Um, <laughs> so funny. yeah, it's it's rough. But times. <laughs> uh, here towards the end, Lish, I want to ask you, is there anything you would like to promote as in uh, if you want folks to interact with you online? Talking about finding email addresses, yours was surprisingly easy to get. I usually have to do a heck of a lot of digging um, to find all that information. But how would you have people interact with you out on the internet, weirdos like myself? Of course. Well, definitely follow me on social media. So my handle is at Lish Styling and our brand label is at the underscore taste underscore curators. Um, definitely the taste curators have some exciting things coming up. We are doing a collaboration with a shrub company where we curated a flavor. Um, my wife made the label and then I did three recipes to go along with it. And that launches April 4th. Um, and then we are working on a series of cookbooks that will merge our two industries in a way that will hopefully be kind of tangible for people so that they can understand what uh, we're trying to do and open everybody's eyes to palate versus palate. Um, so those should hopefully be launching. That's awesome. Uh, starting to launch in May-ish. So that's, that's the goal. But keep your eyes open for the cookbooks and definitely the shrub will be happening April 4th. And yeah. Hopefully more exciting things down the pipeline. So. That is so cool. Yeah. Well, Lish, I can't thank you enough for your time. I truly see it as a gift when people are giving. Um, you didn't even ask questions. You were like, yeah, which also makes me wonder about your judgment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, somebody completely out of the blue. Um, I really appreciate your energy enthusiasm. 
Like, well, thank you so talking much. Talking to people like you. Yeah. People like you energize me in a way that nothing else does. And, uh, uh, sometimes, you know, I, like I completely work from home here in this little cave almost all the time now. And, uh, I sometimes feel disconnected from the world. Uh, but it's people like you that make me just, it's like, yeah, this is why I want to go and meet people. This is why I want to do this stuff. Um, not just so that they can have their humble brag in me over their, over their, uh, shoulder, but you know, make real human connection. I think that's awesome. Exactly. Well, it's people like you who give me hope that things are going to be okay. So <laughs> having these conversations are, you know, they're important. So especially in a time when things can go awry very quickly, this, you know, these conversations are what count. So Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thanks for reaching out. <laughs> all right. Well, let me hit stop on all this stuff. Perfect.